When you have a busy afternoon but also have an appetite for adventurous new recipes, try Blue Apron's heat and eat meals that offer quick and simple meals without sacrificing fresh and quality ingredients. With 60-plus options each week, you can choose from an ever-changing mix of high-quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW-recommended, and wellness offerings. Order now and get $110 off across your first five orders when you visit blueapron.com unique. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. We all know what that maze is. It's our journey through life as we plan things from a young age uh, all the way up until our last breath. We see a pattern that we think we want to walk down, and a lot of times uh, there are a lot of detours, and those detours uh, we are bumping up against walls and trees and people. Today, I have Kimberly Ann Martson with us, and I invited her to be on the show because of a message that she seems to be very devoted to. And the message is about being awake, aware, and connected. And I think a lot of us walk through life thinking we're awake, aware, and connected. But in reality, we're walking around with those blinders on because we just have to watch our steps along the way. So Kimberly Ann, welcome to Avoid the Maze. And tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to this message. Oh boy, I'll try and make that short because it's a long story. <laughs> It's okay. It wasn't a quick trip, um, but I am a holistic psychologist. And so um, how I got to where I am is basically, I did all those things that you said in your intro. I bumped into the people, places, things. And eventually I realized that, like you were saying, I thought I was awake. I thought I was aware, but really a lot of my life was an illusion. And I think the way that I personally learned was when it started to impact my health. And so when things started to impact my health, I started asking the why, you know, why and how do I change it? So that's sort of the short end of that. And then the other thing is being a mom, you know, I have two kids and once I had children, I started really being much more mindful about what I was doing, what I was around, what environment I was creating. And at first it was really more about my kids. And then as I started to burn myself out, I realized I actually need to pay attention to me and not be stuck in a maze of illusion. Yep. And you know, and sadly, so many of us, uh, we stop thinking about ourselves, especially moms. Uh, and I'm not saying that dads, you know, don't fall into this category, but not as often as a mom, because as a mom, you're attached as you are um, going through childbirth. Uh, you are typically the first one to hold that child, to feed the child, to diaper and everything else. And so all of a sudden your being goes into that child. And, um, you know, 
I wanted kids myself and I have two grown boys, but even to this day, I still find myself putting myself into them and I have to stop and go, whoa, wait a second. (laughs) Um, Like uh, they're grown. They don't need every ounce of me. So again, um, you know, you, you knew that you needed to make a change. And you said it had something to do with health issues. And again, a lot of us, we ignore those health issues, you know? Oh yeah. Um, Now I've been a migraine sufferer most of my life. And it's just recently that I've realized what really triggers my migraines. And that is when I stop thinking about me. And I'm not saying I have to be selfish when I think about me, but when I'm trying to go that extra mile for somebody else, trying not to disappoint somebody. And then all of a sudden there I am in ill health and still trying to push through. Right. So when you look at your life, when you were a young child, I'm sure you had a different path that you thought you were going to take, or maybe not. But a lot of us, you know, I can look back and say, I knew exactly what my path was going to look like and never turned out that way. Um, did you have a vision for yourself growing up? Yeah, I did. And I was very, very achievement oriented. You know, I was an elite level swimmer. And so my whole life, my whole childhood was really, I, I call it now, I was a child athlete. So I was working from age five wow. and yeah, so that, but that sort of, I mean, I've learned so much from all of it. So it's amazing. But I think my path, even when I decided grad school, it was medical school or grad school. I went and I worked in an ER and decided that the type of relationships that physicians have with patients wasn't what I was looking for. That's why I switched into psychology and also so much respect for um, physicians, especially ER docs, because it is so stressful and um, to have those boundaries and be able to handle all of that energy is a, it's a real calling, um, or it can end up really eating you up. And I saw for myself, that was not my path, but even, even in that, when I knew I picked psychology, my version and my understanding of what that path was, and actually not just what it was, what it actually was in the beginning versus what it is now are completely different. Even though I'm in the same field, it's changed completely because the idea of anything spiritual, when I was in my early twenties, And what it actually, what my understanding of that is now are completely different. How I work with people is completely different. Um, So even though I'm in that field and I took a huge detour into um, uh, higher education and teaching, but so, yeah, even though the path is, I can say psychology, it's not what I thought it would be. And what I'm actually doing, even in session psychotherapy wise, when I look at the beginning of my career and where I am now, light years away. (laughs) here's the way. Well, and you know, life has changed all around us that would change uh, the way you probably practice today compared to the way you would have practiced uh, when you first came out of school. And I'm noticing that with so many things that if we don't evolve, if we stay in that same pattern over and over again, um, the world passes us by so we aren't aware, we don't see what's happening. But in your case, it sounds like maybe you weren't consciously knowing that you were aware and acknowledging the changes, 
but you did because you saw that was the only way to keep moving forward. And I know that happened for me as well. But again, I didn't realize I was doing it. I mean, I woke up one day and I said, wow, how did I get here? And where do I want to go? Um, and, And that was enlightening. So well, mine was actually, Karen was a little different because I'll be honest with you. What actually happened was I was like that. And then I had a traumatic brain injury. And so everything stopped. And so it became, I had to become aware because I couldn't function, you know, walk. I had to learn to walk properly. My eyes weren't functioning. I couldn't, I now know how much energy it takes to make a thought. Cause I literally couldn't make one. So I actually got to the point where it was, I had to I was given the opportunity to make those conscious choices because if I didn't, if every time I would go back to the habitual patterns of trying to do too much or not pay attention to my body, my body would break down in ways that meant I couldn't function like daily living function. So that's how bad it had to get for me before I I started trying to make changes. And I think sometimes people around you show up to help you. You know, I had a doctor who said to me, a physician, imagine this. He says to me, you know, you don't love yourself. And I'm like, what? You know, like I was like, of course I do. And I could list all the things in my head of why I should love myself, but my behavior said I didn't love myself. And that's that difference when you get into when we're not awake and we're not aware, we think that we are doing things, but when you actually take the look at what you're really doing versus what you think you're doing, they can be two very different things. So you were forced, like you said, oh yeah, to take a look. Um, and that, that yep. is interesting because um, about 10 years ago, when I got pushed out of corporate America, um, I went into a deep decline, a depression, which nobody, if anybody would have ever told me I would have gotten that down, I never would have believed it. Um, but it was happening when I was so busy, I was ignoring it. Mm-hmm. And when corporate America said, there's the door. And I found myself at home and I sort of like looked around and said, oh my God, I'm in this deep, dark hole. How do I get out of it? Um, and, you know, it, it took accepting the fact that I was down, that I had to start clawing my way out. And that's when I started making my changes, but not everybody is as lucky in some ways, despite your brain injury to be able to say, okay, how do I move forward? You know, how do I look around? I know a lot of people who get down and depressed who stay there because they're, they're afraid if they try to climb out, it may not be any better than where they are. Yeah. So Going back to your injury, um, and you can share it with us if you want. If you don't, just tell me. But how did it come about? Was it car accident, a distracted driver? To this day, I don't know what she was doing, but she came across the road and and I was in the car with my son and she hit us and we were both knocked unconscious. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, what she was doing. And I I you know, I don't know if she was drunk. I don't know. It was late at night. We were on the way home from my uncle's wake. And so it was not a happy day to be, but we were going to get ice cream. (laughs) We 
you're stopping to get ice cream. Never made it to that ice cream. But a year later, I did. A year later, I had uh, my husband at the time go get the ice cream and the dog ate it. I didn't even get it that year. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so it wasn't meant to have that ice cream, clearly. And so what you just expressed, here it was a, a somewhat ordinary day, okay? We all lose a loved one. We've all gone to a wake. Now you're on your way home and you're going to stop for ice cream to sort of change the mood a little bit. Yeah. Um, this, that's a normal type of routine, but the car accident was makes not normal. It not normal. <laughs> exactly. And we, we don't, we don't give ourselves enough credit for the fact that normal doesn't happen 24 seven. Mm -hmm. no. I mean, these strange things just come out of the blue. And like you said, you may never know what she was thinking, why it happened. And oh, I know. I mean, it was an opportunity for me. It ended up being a huge opportunity for me to change my life. And I could choose that, you know, I didn't know it at the time. I actually had a near-death experience during that where I was in, and mine wasn't like, you know, people say in the light, what happened, I just had a knowing it's a very weird thing, but basically what happened is everything went dark and I could hear the stuff that happened and then everything was quiet. And then I just had this sense and it wasn't from hearing a voice. It was kind of like an internal knowing it, it, I got the sense of you're going to be okay. Everything's okay. And so literally I had that sense and it wasn't like, like I said, it wasn't an internal or an external voice. It was just a knowing that's the best way I can explain it. And then what happens is then all of a sudden I'm like dropped back in and I wake up in the car to my son screaming and it, and he's screaming and he thinks the car's on fire and, and there was smoke, but it wasn't. But anyway, I was completely calm. I'm like, everything's okay. Whatever happened in those, in that time that I was unconscious and that sense of knowing when I came back, it was with me, but here's the, here's the funny part. I was taking it as everything's okay, meaning my life's going to go just how it was before. And it took me years to understand everything's okay means you've survived and now you get to make new choices and start a new life if you so choose. And it's not going to be what you're not going back. There isn't after that moment, there was no going back. I was fundamentally different. I am physically, emotionally, spiritually, fundamentally different. But what happens, like you're saying, is we have these habits, we have these ways of being, and at some point in our life, they may have served us, but it's about becoming aware of the fact that they no longer serve us. And my drive to achieve, my hard work, my dedication, that may have served me to achieve certain things. But at that point in my life, it wasn't serving me. I was giving everything away and, and losing myself. And I had to make, and it's, it's the thing I always tell people is, it's making a choice again and again and again and again and again. It wasn't one choice. It's making the choice to take those actions and put those practices into effect day after day after day. And the other thing that I hear you saying is that each day, even going forward, this is who you are in the change um, that has, has been created. Um, and it has nothing to do with your age, your financial opportunity, and the people around you. It's about you. Yes. And I'm hoping our listeners hear this because when 
I went through my depression and being pushed out of a good job. I was really the, the breadwinner in the family. So it was very difficult for me to come home and say to my family, uh, guess what? You're not going to see my salary anymore. Um, and I looked at my birthday coming up and it was like, oh my God, I'm going to be 60 years old. What am I worth? But almost like you, I went into a silent place and I said, oh, I'm worth a lot. Now I get to live my life. And that didn't mean giving up my husband, my kids, my parents. It meant I get to like live and do the things that make me happy. And I could go back and say, you know, for the first 50 years of my life, 60 years of my life, um, I live for everybody else. And uh, wow, what a waste. Or I could say, you know what? I learned from that. This was my pinnacle. You know, I climbed mm -hmm. to the top of the mountain and I said, okay, uh, you can either jump and be back down there with all the things you did before, or you can stay up here and keep growing and evolving. And so I think all of our listeners can do that. So you don't have to be in a car accident. You don't have no. to be kicked out. <clears throat> um, but it's a conscious choice. And that's what you were able to make. Yes. And that's really, I want to go back to two things you said, but yes, hundred percent. And it's all about the conscious choice, but I want to go back to two things. First of all, you are priceless. There is no value. You are priceless. And you're also, I, what I say to people is I'm ageless. I don't think in those constructs, I don't allow, I mean, society can try and put whatever constructs they want, but for me, for how I internalize my experience of myself, I consider myself ageless because one that doesn't allow people to project on me. And two, it enables me to just be free to be me. And I don't at, you know, put any expectations of, Oh, at this age, these are the common expectations in our culture. And so, and I'm going to give that, I learned that from Dr. Northrup, Christian Northrup. I saw something years ago where she said that. And I thought that's brilliant. I like that. And so I tell people that all the time and I just find it really, really helpful. But back to what you were saying about the choice, it's a choice and it's always a choice. And every day when you, you get to make new choices and that's what it's really empowering people to understand that you have the power you know, we give it away. And like, you're talking about in your scenario, you're so much, and, and it, this happens for, I mean, almost everybody I've met, our identity gets locked with work so often. So, or something else, you know, for athletes with athletics, I went through that as well. So it becomes, it becomes understanding who you are without what you do. And so I said to people, take a look at, if you, you know, journal to yourself, who am I? And uh, the challenge is, don't write down any roles you play or things you do. Who are you as a spiritual divine essence? What are your characteristics that you resonate with? That that's really who you are and how you want to go through the world. Because once you know that, then that will guide the choices that you make. But if you don't even know what that is, then you aren't consciously mindfully living. You're just reacting and living in a habitual way, which is a choice. And that's fine too. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting that you say that because um, when I was in my corporate job, every Friday morning, 
we would have a group meeting and uh, my manager used to start it out with, you know, let's go around the room. What's your favorite song? Or let's go around the room. What's your favorite food or movie? And every time they'd come to me, I couldn't give them an answer. Food is food. Yeah, there are a lot of movies I like, but I'm not good at remembering the names of the movies. Um, I could tell you the plot line, but if the plot was similar to something else, then they might get the movie wrong. Um, and I used to get angry because, that we had to do this because I realized just what you said. My identity had gotten tied into my role, my job. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't think beyond that. I mean, it would be the same thing. I'd call my husband at the end of the day and he'd say, let's meet for dinner. And I'd say, okay. And he'd say, where do you want to go? And I always threw it back on him because, you know, I was all about work. Oh, I don't care where we go to eat. That's just part of the routine, you know, but yet he would suggest a restaurant and I'd go, no, I don't want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> and until I started <clears throat> thinking and looking and being aware um, that's how I was living. And in some ways that helped me be a freer spirit now, but I, I hate to see anybody else get locked into that when there are opportunities An opportunity to our listeners does not mean that you need a financial bankroll to do it. Because one of the things that I realized when I was sort of stuck in my corporate job, if I would have taken some time to do the things that I liked, I may have made that job even better. Yeah. But I wasn't. I was working 60, 70 hours a week because oh, this is who I am. So when you say, when you were talking about identifying yourself, okay, do you have a way of showing your clients how they can do that? Because if you would have asked me that, 10 years ago, you know, how do you identify yourself? You know, I would have said, I would have talked about my job. I would have talked about my husband. I, I asked them to do it privately, introspectively, okay. and just journal and to really not monitor what comes because okay. that way you're kind of opening up to channel. And it, and when you look at the list, you're probably going to see a lot of those things on there and that's okay. But then you shift, you kind of shift through it, like your gold mining, you know, like the pan and you look for the nuggets where you're like, Oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. You know, just like a personal example for me, you know, I kind of like, if you were going to say, I could give you a whole bunch of adjectives, but sort of my core essence is a peaceful warrior. That's sort of how I, how I understand who I am. And to me, how that guides my decisions now that I've recognized that in myself is it means that when I'm in a situation, I'm going to going to make the choices that honor peace and harmony for me and, and the highest good in general. And so it enables me to feel my strength because I use the word warrior, but I understand that my way of having my strength <clears throat> is coming from a peaceful spiritual place and not from a confrontational place or from a cognitively heady place or you know, any of those other characteristics, but once I'm able to boil it down to who I am, the key thing about that is once you understand your core essence, 
you can make decisions. Like you were saying, once you started to make those decisions, you made choices that align with who you are. And when we're integrated and we go back to that, when we're integrated and we're making those choices, then our mind, the choices that we're making starts to integrate with our, what our body wants and our spirit wants. And so it impacts our health. It impacts our energy and all of those things. And back to that example you were saying before about, you know, working the 60, 70 hours a week, it goes back to being, and I, we've all been, I won't say all, but most of us have been where you're that hamster on a wheel and you don't realize you're just going, going, going. There is no time because there's no energy. All the energy goes to that daily grind, that daily grind. And, and what I say is you need to, to take the time to have the discipline and make the choice to take the time to look around. And if you're that hamster, you'll realize there's a door to your right or your left or somewhere that you can open and you can step out anytime you want, if you have the courage to. And if you love yourself, that's the other thing I want to say, you have to love yourself enough to make these choices. I didn't make these changes in my life until I started to love myself enough to make me a priority. And that's really the bare bones for all the listeners. You have to love yourself. And you have to say, and like, I'll say this to clients and, you know, for some people they can't do this very simple thing. Everybody do this. When you have a moment, go to a mirror in your house, look yourself in the eyes and say, for you, you would say, I love you, Karen. And see how that feels. Do you know that that's so overwhelming that some people can't look themselves in the eye and do it because that tells you that that connection to yourself is is a problem. It's, there's a disconnect. And for, and for some people, I know for me, when I did it years ago, the first time it was very emotional experience because I really saw myself, not the physical person that was in there. I saw my spirit. I saw my essence and I was like, Ooh, that's overwhelming. (laughs) You know, it's interesting that you say that because my father used to get up all around five, five 30 in the morning, way before the rest of us, And you would hear him in the bathroom, basically doing the same thing. Every morning he'd look in the mirror and he'd go, good morning, handsome. Oh, I love that. You know, as kids, we laughed. We said, oh my God, you know, you know, what's your problem? And my father would say, I don't have a problem. I'm facing, I'm facing my day. And my, my he was dad, embracing his day was. and himself. Yeah. He was embracing yeah. it. And, you know, it's interesting because when he would come home from work, if my father didn't have a smile on his face, I would start to cry because I would think he was mad at me. Just no reason why. And um, one day he came home and again, I broke down into tears. And he just looked at me and he said, you need to stop this. You have to stop assuming that I'm mad at you. And I looked at him, I said, but why else aren't you, why wouldn't you be smiling? You're home. And he never gave me an answer until much later in life. And we talked about it. He said, do you smile when you come home from work at the end of the day? And I thought about it. It's like most days, probably not. I'm exhausted. He said, all those years that you assumed, he said, I was tired. He said, I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning. He said, I had an hour to work. 
I was there for nine hours, an hour home. He said, can you imagine? And it was like, if I had understood that as a child, it probably would have been easier. But my parents' generation didn't have those conversations back then. Mm-hmm. You know, today we do talk about those things. And you also mentioned loving yourself. Some of us feel that we don't have the right to love ourselves because we were told that was selfish. Mm-hmm. But loving yourself is not the same as being selfish and taking things from other people. No, it really isn't. I mean, self-love is all about honoring the fact that you are a divine being. You were created, you are here. And just because of that, you have a duty to take care of yourself. And doing that has nothing to do with anyone else. That's where everyone gets confused. Even in the story, like you were telling, it's that's what is, is one of the biggest issues is that people need to understand what's other people's is theirs and what's yours is yours. And keeping those two things separate is so hard for human beings because we're social and we want to interact and we want to have an impact on other people. And we want all of that, but we really, it's the boundaries. It's understanding I'm responsible for myself. I'm responsible for how I react to someone else. I'm responsible for my emotions. How often do people say they made me they made, he made me do it. He made me feel, no, sorry. Uh-uh. <laughs> you know, unless they physically took your hand and put your hand and made your hand do that. No, how you feel is it's up to you. What you do, those are your choices. And creating that space is so important in life. And s- s- loving yourself is basically one of the first ways to start creating that space because you start to connect to your own needs and realize your needs separate from the other. So when you went through this accident, you said your son went through it. Yep. You obviously went through a lot of changes. How did that affect your family? Oh, um, tremendously. It affected my family tremendously because, but here's the interesting thing I want to say. I, okay. My friend used to call me wonder woman on crack because I did so many things, you know, typical working mom doing, you know, everything responsible for all the childcare, responsible for the house, responsible for everything, taking on everything. And, and then some, so I thought that the world would crumble if I wasn't the center of the universe, because that's how I set it up. So when I was working with a doctor, you know, on adrenal fatigue before this accident, it was like, Oh, how on earth could I do less? Well, I found out. So the accident happens. And I thought, oh my gosh, the world's going to implode because I'm not in it. You know, I've literally wasn't in it. I was literally in a bed for months and in a neck brace and all that, but guess what? The world went on. (laughs) And that was a good lesson for me is that, um, the world will go on and people will be resilient. And at this point, do I know it has impacted my family? It's impacted my children, especially probably my youngest, my daughter, you know, she was five at the time and mom who did everything suddenly couldn't do anything. And they watched me suffer for years in my rehab and everything else. So, but what it's done is both my children are extremely compassionate. They are very emotionally in tune with themselves and others. And, um, through that experience, I realized that my marriage wasn't healthy. And so, Uh, after that, I realized that part of me getting healthy meant I had to release myself from relationships that were draining my energy and not 
um, propping me up because I didn't have enough for myself, let alone anybody else. So I subsequently got divorced, which impacts, as we know, right. the family in its own ways. Um, that took years. It wasn't like right away, but anyway, so, so it's impacted my family in a lot of interesting ways because our family dynamic changed, but it, my son obviously has, it's impacted him in his own ways because he ended up having concussions and, and having to go through, you know, his own brain injury rehab and all of that. And, and he's now a gift to the world. I mean, he has a master's in functional medicine. He's going to medical school. He's a healer. And so that whole thing and him watching what happened to me as well has made him not only extremely compassionate because he already was, but it's driven him to go into areas like functional neurology that a lot of people aren't in the areas that we have found helpful. And he understands the need for the spiritual component. So he does all of that and he's going to bring that to the people that he works with. So you see the domino effect to answer right. that in a, in a long way. And with my daughter, she's, you know, just 14. So we're still discovering how, you know, cause this happened in 2012 and I see fear. If I start to exhibit any of the neurological symptoms, because if I overdo, I now have a built-in warning system. That's what my, you know, that's what I have now. I have a built-in warning system that if I overdo, I start to have neurological symptoms. And it's like, you now know, if you go past this, there's a big price to pay. So choose wisely. <laughs> I try not to get to that, you know, and a lot of, and I can go a long, long time without it, but every once in a while I'll, I'll make a poor choice, or usually it's more like several poor choices <laughs> and, and then that will arise. And when I see the fear in my daughter's eyes, that's very powerful for me. Um, sure it is. Yes. Yeah. So it's, you know, and so you look at it and I look at it, like you were saying before, you can look at situations and say, okay, I could choose to feel guilty about it or bad about it. I, I get a choice of how I want to feel about that. But what I say to myself is she's going to have her emotional experience. I'm going to support her and give her a way to explain, express. And originally when I would get these neurological symptoms, which are ptosis, one eye closes and the other, I get left for spasms in the other eye can affect my speech and my balance. So it's disfiguring, let's just say. So my daughter used to get really anxious and panic. And as I became more comfortable with it, I was able to teach her, this is okay. Mommy overdid it. This is, and we just say, I laugh about it. And I go up, oh, look, look what I did. My warning system's gone off. I'm going to be fine. And so now she knows because she sees, okay, mom's going to be fine. This happens not very often, but when it does, mom's okay. So she just, you know, I just let her express it, breathe, and then we move through it. It's interesting because so many of us have those warning signs, whatever it is, um, and we ignore them initially. But once, like you said, we can embrace them, we can become better at everything else as we go forward. Um, I've suffered with migraines since I was 18. And um, I get almost the same type of situation with my eyes. One eye juts one way, one eye juts the other. And people would get scared. It'd be like, oh my God, you know, what is wrong with this person? Um, is she having a seizure? And no, and I can tell you my eyes are jutting out to the side but I don't have any pain at that time. 
And that's really the time I should have been taking my deep breath, slowing down and relaxing, but I didn't initially. Right. And I, I do now, because as soon as I feel my eyes jutting out to the right and left, I know just stop what you're doing. And I had it happen in the middle of a podcast one day. It just came on and very nicely. I said, explain the situation. I said, we're going to have to redo this because if I push myself to the end, I knew number one, I wasn't going to be looking at the person I was talking to, but I also knew that my speech was going to start to get slurred. And I certainly did not want to, you know, do that. But now that I recognize it, I'm recognizing it because I care about me. And when I care about me, it's helping everybody else around me. And so if our listeners get nothing else from this, it's that, you know what, take care of yourself first, put the oxygen mask on. That's exactly what I was thinking. The exact metaphor. I love that metaphor, but yeah, yeah, your example was perfect though, Karen. It's about the, I was going to ask you if you hadn't said it, it's about the self-love and that is not at all, um, selfish. It's not at all selfish. It's not at all selfish. It's, it's absolutely imperative because like you said, with the oxygen mask, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be there for the other person, or you're not going to be able to give them anything useful. You're not going to have the energy. And that's the thing I want people to understand too, is that this is all about energy. Um, the energy is there when you take care of yourself and, and people feel like, oh, I don't have the energy, so I can't make those choices, but it's a loop. You have to disrupt that loop and you have to start making choices that enable you to reboot example. Um, you know, people are like, well, I don't have time to do meditation or I don't have time to do this. Well, if you make the time, you'll actually be more productive. You know, we know that we can be more productive when we have um, our cognitive, our cognitive abilities are going to be stronger when our, our nervous system is relaxed. So you're actually going to be more productive. You're going to get more done and you can take little breaks. I teach people all the time, take little breathing breaks during the day, little movement breaks. It doesn't have to be a half hour, an hour, whatever. It could be five minutes, five minutes to reset your nervous system, reset your nervous system by just breathing deeply, sitting outside in nature by um, doing something that fills you up. And a lot of times we're very sedentary. So I say people, you know, move around and it doesn't have to, if for some people they need something more vigorous and some people just need a little Tai Chi type movement or a yoga pose, something that gives the body the message that there's energy, the energy can flow. It doesn't need to be stuck, but we get stuck. And so I really encourage people to find ways to get unstuck, but all of it comes back to the core of making yourself the priority, putting on the oxygen mask first and saying, I am worth it. And I always tell people, you're worth it. You don't have to rationalize why you're worth it. You are, it's just, that's it. That's the premise. You know what I mean? It likes, you know, theory theorems start with that. That just is the premise. It's an automatic. And when you allow that, that gives you the space to be yourself because really that's what we all need to be. You know, Ramdas talks about becoming somebody when really we need to be nobody and the becoming somebody is 
this idea that, you know, we're born and we are perfectly made and we have an energetic blueprint and we have a contract, why we're here, what we're supposed to do. But then everything else happens, life happens. And we get taught the messages. This is what a good girl, good boy does. This is what your teacher wants you to do, your parents, society, you know, all the messages from advertising. This is how we're going to shape you. And you become that somebody that you're taught to be. But guess what happens? Like, you know, you were talking about, and I was talking about. So we get taught this illusion, this fake self to be this somebody, but it's not really us because we're not connected to our divine essence, to our spirit, to our mind and our body. We're not all integrated. We've now become fragmented. And so we need to learn to get back into who we are and live from that place, because that's when we feel better. We have energy. We make choices that honor that. But if we're living our life as somebody else, you know, then that's why there is no energy. That's why there is no passion and all these things, because it's, we're not doing us, you know, we're not doing ourselves. We're doing something fake and our, and we know it. And that's what our energy is telling us. You're you're putting all your energy where it doesn't belong. Come back, come home. Well, I certainly know I did that a good portion of my life. You know, I would, whether it be an ad or somebody I know, they were wearing a certain outfit, a certain color, a certain makeup. They had a certain job. It was like, I would gravitate and say, oh, maybe I should be more like that. You know, and, you know, if it's as simple as a piece of clothing, um, I may put it on and look in the mirror and go, well, this doesn't suit me. Right. Why am I wearing this? Well, I'm wearing it because I want to look like Christy Brinkley. Well, I'm not Christy Brinkley. Okay. I'm Karen Hale. So it took me a very long time to realize that, wait a second, I don't have to look like her or be like them. I can be me and there will be things that people will like. There'll be things that people don't like, but that's all right because I have to like me. And, And I'll tell our listeners, there are times during the day that I may not like me. I may ha- do something that I realize, you know what? Uh, that wasn't that wasn't a good thing. But I can learn from it. If I can identify it and learn from it, I will be better the next time. But we're absolutely, human. absolutely, because we're all human. And whenever people make mistakes, I'm always like, well, welcome to being a human being. I mean. That's, that's part of life, but that's like, you know, we all have shadows, we all have shadows and they come up and they, yeah, they come up. And you know what the greatest thing is, is when you can do what you said, you can see your shadow, you can embrace it and you can learn from it because so much of so much of the time we defend against it. And we're like, Oh, nope, that's not me. I didn't really do that up. Nope. I don't want to see that. But really when you come home to yourself and you're really loving yourself and trying to integrate and be who you're meant to be you're going to embrace everything, all of your, it's like, you want to embrace all of your experiences, not just the pursuit of happiness. You know, there, there's no such thing. When you are yourself, you will be joy. You will be happy because you will be integrated and you will be whole. And so it becomes about saying to yourself, I'm going to have all my experiences. I'm going to live in this. It becomes about being present. 
you know, being a present to yourself, but being in that present moment. And in when you're really present, you're going to experience all kinds of things, your frailties, your vulnerabilities, your strengths, your courage, all of it. So that means guess what comes along with that? All the emotions, all the emotions, love, joy, fear, sadness, anger, frustration, everything. But when you can stand in your own power and embrace all of it and say, you know what, this is me. This is who I am. I am all of this. And I am, and I love myself enough to know I have this tendency to lie to myself about who I am or what I'm doing or whatever, but I'm working on that and I'm aware of it. And let me tell you, when you shine a light on a part of yourself, you know, a shadow, when you start becoming aware of it and working with it, you can integrate it. And then it's not a shadow anymore. So I want people to understand you can make changes every day, every moment, as long as you have life force breath in you, you have the opportunity to create and transform however you want. It really is that simple. I always tell people, everybody thinks it's so hard. It's not, it's really the simple little things, but it's being willing to do those simple things over and over and over and over till they add up like a bucket. You know, if you've got a leak, how many times do you, I know this has happened to me. I have a leak and I, and I had a, a, this happened to my toilet like a year ago. I had a little drip by the toilet and I thought, oh, that's not so bad. This bucket should be big enough. So before I go to bed, I go check the bucket. Oh my God, it was full. That little tiny drop that looked like nothing. I had to get a bigger bucket. And that's how our action practices are. If we do what, these little drips, these little steps, pretty soon you're like, oh my gosh, look at the difference now. I have a whole bucket. I love it. What, what a beautiful picture that gives us filling, filling yeah. that up. Absolutely. Well, Kimberly Ann, how can our listeners find you? Um, the best way is probably my website, which is really simple. It's just um, www.drkimberlyannkimberlyann.com. And if you go on my website, um, you can email me, you can call my office. Um, I have a podcast too. You can find the podcast on there. It's all about holistic wellness and wisdom. And those, that's the best way, you know, reach out. I do love, you know, hearing from people. I do answer emails and, um, I'm always interested in, in talking to people and doing whatever I can to help people to reconnect to themselves and live the life that, and create the life for themselves that they really want to, because it really, it's so important to feel empowered and vibrant and yeah. <laughs> well, I love your message. Uh, thank you for sharing your personal story with us as well. Um, because we always think that it's only us who are going through those dark moments. And the reality of it is everyone is going through something at some point. Yeah. So I think it's time that we all learn to be kind to ourselves and kind to others as well. Yeah. And you know what I always tell people, because for the most part, most people are so much more kind to other people. And so I'm constantly telling clients, you see how lovely you were in this situation. You were so compassionate. You were so empathic. I want you to do that for yourself. And so that's what I would say to the listeners as loving and kind and understanding and all those positive things that you do towards other people, 
all you have that shows you that you have the ability to do that because you're doing it for other people. You just need to be aware that you can do that. Not only can you be, but you need to be doing that for yourself. And when you do that, you'll have even more to share with others, but you'll also be full. Well, I think we're going to end on that because that is a great way to go forward. And we want to wish everyone well. I know Kimberly Ann is in Florida where the weather is sunshiny <laughs> and warm. And I'm in Northeast Ohio where we have about two feet of snow on the ground. But you know what? It's almost spring. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye now.